Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares, episode 70. 7-0. Quite a many episodes in the history of this podcast. And we have some great things coming. I've already recorded both of the February shows, including the one you're about to listen to. And we are scheduling both of the March shows at the moment, leading up to our big fifth birthday party. It will be a very special show. It's going to be one of those that I have to take about a month of my life to even plan and record. But I'm excited about it nonetheless. Uh, Fifth birthday is going to be a big one. It's This is the, the love of my career. And my career has been a lot of my life. So... The fact uh, this has been the de facto love of my life is this show, and it's brought me so many things, and I can't wait to celebrate it, um, because it's its own entity in its own way. So I'm excited for that. That's coming up uh, a couple of shows from now, but until then, our February shows are fantastic. Both of them are already recorded, like I've already said, and this one in particular has someone who isn't famous, but but should be and is in a profession that is not looked at with the same uh, respect as, as a lot of professions, even though it should be. Uh, I cover sports. I realize how, how big the impact that sports have in America. And, but the last two years, we've, we've all noticed that the people fighting you know, COVID in the, in the worst possible areas has, has been the nurses. So I, I asked a registered nurse to come on the show, uh, a person who's been a friend of mine for God, as long as I can remember, um, I've known her and we have, have gotten to be really close friends over the last uh, couple of years. And she was thrust into the medical world right before the pandemic. And she was still a rookie nurse getting her feet wet. And the world decided, Hey, here's a fun thing for you to do. Why don't you have to deal with the first pandemic in a hundred years? Have fun and good luck. And I, I can't even imagine what that must've been like. So I, I asked her about it and that's the whole point of the show, right? Is to ask people about things that I know nothing about because people are very talented and people are very smart and people are very good at the things they do. And I just asked them about it. That is my talent and skill and thing that I'm good at, which is, um, which I realized, you know, her job is her bad day at work. and My bad day at work, very different bad days at work. And uh, it's made me very grateful for the job I have, but very appreciative for people like her. So I won't, I know I do this, I talk forever before the show. I won't hold you up anymore. Uh, Bailey Ball is coming up uh, in a few moments, but you can follow the show at, if anyone cares, underscore on Twitter. You can follow me at Riley James IAC on Twitter and Instagram. The show is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other ones. Uh, if you have Spotify or Apple, you can rate the show five stars. If you have Apple, please leave a review. All right. Well, we still don't have music, as you can probably hear. Just enjoy the three moments of silence, and then you'll hear Bailey Ball. And for Bailey Ball, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares. On the line, and none other 
then one of my favorite places on earth, Lake Charles, Louisiana, is a woman. I, I'm not going to go into her credentials. Quite the quite the profession she has chosen. She is a nurse. She has uh, been a friend of mine for a very long time, and I'm happy to welcome to the show, um, Bailey Ball. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, you are in the medical field in some capacity. Can you explain exactly what you do? Because I'm sure I would have butchered it. <laughs> yeah, so I um, graduated last May um, from McNeese State University here in Lake Charles. I got my bachelor degree in the science of nursing. So I am a registered nurse or an RN. Um, and right now my role is as a staff nurse um, in the one of the ERs here in Lake Charles. So if you have to go to the emergency room during the nighttime sometime, you may come and see me. Yeah, um, I've I've gone a lot, so hopefully those <laughs> days are over for me. But yeah. you know, I'd I'd rather just meet you and, and and your boyfriend for coffee one day rather than meet you, you know, in the middle of the night. I, I keep telling people that I'm like, you don't have to come here to see me. We'll we'll meet up some other way. <laughs> that's that's yeah. No, I I get that that's like a comforting thing to have someone you know kind of deal with you. Mm-hmm. But golly, that's got to suck because yeah. that person knows all the information that happened and you can't right. like I've had stories where like, yeah, it may not have happened how exactly like I said <laughs> it did because I wanted to make it sound cooler that I was in the emergency sure. room for a couple hours. But, you know, I can't lie to you, which is which is bad. But, you know, we have so many privacy laws, you know, the HIPAA and, you know, you could tell your story to whoever you know we can't we can't say anything we'll just uh-huh sure okay yep that's what happened <laughs> uh thank you for the privacy of uh the, yeah. the united states government that's that's a different conversation for a different show um yeah. all right uh you you are you are an rn you are an rn that's tough Mm-hmm. You're a nurse, a registered nurse, and we've had quite the dilemma the last couple of years with this with this thing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were thrown into the mix a little bit before it started, right? Yes. So you yeah. you've experienced like pre-COVID, and now you're like in COVID slash like kind of figuring out if COVID is over or not, which it's, it's probably not, but can you kind of run through the process of you still being a super young nurse and having to kind of understand what this is in real time, but also deal with it in seemingly faster than real time? Sure. So, um, the first two, two and a half years of my schooling is kind of where I can even take this back to, um, was pre-COVID times, as we call it now. Um, so I had normal clinicals, which is where nursing students go into the hospital and get hands-on experience dealing with patients. You know, they're monitored very closely by teachers. So I had pre-COVID experience with that, um, but really no independent work by myself pre-COVID. Um, and then we had our wonderful um visitor miss laura who came um and that was a few months after covid so we had already moved to online schooling we had um delayed 
our clinicals. So for example, um, I had to do part of my OB, which is when you go have a baby. Uh, well, not you, Riley. Yeah, but, no. You know, our and... lovely lady listeners. Yeah. Um, when they go in to have a baby, um, I did those clinical sessions during a summer. So that was a fun time. Um, anybody who's been in nursing school knows it is extremely emotionally and mentally exhausting. So having to remain available pretty much all summer, canceling all plans to make sure I was available at the drop of a hat to go to these clinical sessions was real fun. And then right after that, the following semester in August to kick off, you know, this new semester we were going into, which was arguably um, seems like one of the hardest semesters for nursing students. Um, Whether you have any type of external factors or not, we had Laura come. And so we had COVID affecting our clinicals, and then we had Laura affecting our in-class work. So we basically crammed the 16-week semester into like eight or 10 weeks. Um, We had shorter clinical periods. We got to go less often. Um, And then when I ended up graduating, um, going into the ER, I started working just a few weeks before the second wave, which we call the Delta wave hit which was really quite an interesting world to step into when you're a new grad, especially dealing with all the complications we had during our schooling. Right. Uh, just for, for context, I'd love to throw this in. Uh, she mentions our, our lovely friend, Laura. That's, of course, talking about Hurricane Laura. For the, for the newer listeners that weren't around for the time during that mm-hmm. whole or, ordeal, it's a nightmare. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. You, you've, you've were educated – in this, you know, this kind of seemingly normal way that nurses are educated, nurses are educated, and then you're thrust into this like whole thing where people who have been in this for a long time are also learning how to deal with this, and you mm-hmm. are expected to learn at the same pace as, as veterans, essentially, while also, hey, you still have to continue to learn how to do all these other things in addition to this very brand new thing that is super relevant right now. <laughs> I mean, God, yeah. that seems terrible. Like it seems terrible for new, like for for nurses that have been in the game for a long time, but for yeah. like new nurses and for nursing students, it, it can you can you talk about the the uh, kind of I don't want to say emotional, but definitely the mental impact of that and kind of taking that home. Yeah, so it was um, it was very strenuous. Um, there are particular I, I don't want to get this wrong. I want to say that every single nurse has been profoundly affected by this pandemic. It does not matter where they work, whether they're even in a hospital setting or not. Every nurse, every person, but every nurse has been profoundly affected by this pandemic. Um, With that being said, I decided to start in the emergency room. um, And I did not realize just how much, um, my particular discipline would be affected by COVID. Um, but that became really apparent a couple weeks into that second Delta wave when we once again started having issues with our ICU being held up. Um, our ICU was booked to capacity. Our floors were booked to capacity. Um, and even if it's one of those things where, you know, you have to have staff and beds. 
So even if, you know, our, um, what we call a med surge unit, um, which is just basically any type of regular disease you have, if you go into the hospital and they say, hey, you know, you're having heart issues, let's go ahead and admit you to the hospital, you'd go to a med surge floor where they would just monitor you or a telemetry floor where they could look at your heart. Um, So even if those regular floors had beds available, because nurses are not exempt to getting COVID, obviously, um, we would have staffing issues as well, where we wouldn't have enough staff to take the patient upstairs. There wasn't a nurse to take care of these extra patients. And so we got to the point where we were what we call holding people in the ER, which is where instead of going upstairs, you just stay in the ER for days and days and days. Um, We had ICU patients that were in the ER. I think the longest someone was in there was like 10 days um, who was supposed to be in ICU who didn't have a bed or a nurse available to them. So they had to stay downstairs with us. And so um, dealing with that and our own um, staffing issues from our nurses having COVID and things like that, um, that was really, you know, I signed up as an ER nurse, but I became a med surge nurse. I became an IC nurse and an ER nurse all at the same time. Um, just, you know, within a couple months, a month after, um, being a graduate. And I'm really thankful for the program I was in where I had a preceptor to watch me for most of that time. But Um, eventually, you know, you get to the point where you kind of have to start spreading your own wings and, you know, the nurses, those experienced nurses, they're able to really assess how us new grads are handling it and they can kind of keep an eye on us. Um, but if you're, you know, thankfully, um, I'm, I view myself as a really quick learner and so I was able to pick up on a lot of stuff. And so, you know, as you can handle it, your load gets heavier and heavier and you kind of start carrying all that, but, um, a little different from nursing school is that when you leave class or clinical, you go home and you have all this other stuff to do. You have studying for exams, you have assignments, papers, whatever else do. When you leave work, you can leave work. You can take those scrubs off and change into your comfy clothes and you can just kind of let the day wash away. Um, and you talk about the emotional and mental grasping of that. Um, I know for me, my spirituality, my faith plays a big role in that. And just knowing that ultimately I can do what I can, but really nothing's in my control. And um, that's kind of how I've grappled with it. But, you know, I mean, there are still days where you come home and you just cry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? oh that's, a, that's a little bit more depressing than I was hoping for. Um <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't get to pick the content of this show. Um, no, but you, you talked about spreading your wings and kind of having that opportunity to, yeah, you can't be watched for the, you know, you eventually got to be able to do things on your own. Um, most people start to flap their wings in relatively clear weather, maybe a slight breeze. It seems like you guys in this kind of class of nursing students had to try to fly in a torrential downpour. Um mm-hmm. That can't be easy and that can't be fun. So can you talk about uh, the effect of like some, some of your peers, some of your classmates, some of the people that you you went to the program with and you now possibly work with or you are friends at other hospitals? Like, Can you talk about the kind of the, the macro aspect of how it's affecting the people that are 
in your in your age group and in your class? Yeah, so I um I am part of what we call a residency program. And it's basically a group of us who all graduated at the same time and we all started working at the same time, but we all um work in different departments. So it's only me and two other people that graduated at the same time that work in the ER. But we have a residency class of um I think it's 16. And we kind of go through all the different departments and we get together once a month and we go over topics that are relevant to us with our clinical educators. Um, And we kind of just talk about what we've seen, how we're dealing with it and those type of things. Um, And what's been really great about that is that residency connects you with what we call preceptors. And those are those more educated nurses that um, stick with you during those first couple weeks or first month and they're the ones that say, okay, well, look, this person, you know, they're having a harder time adapting or they're having a harder time um, emotionally gauging what's going on. So we're going to we're gonna stick a little closer to them for a little longer. But this person, you know, they seem to really be handling it okay. So we're going to let them take, you know, a bigger patient load earlier and those types of things. Um, but really everybody I've noticed – it's it's really interesting because I actually just met up with someone that I haven't talked to since we graduated, and I met up with them um, a couple weeks ago. And nurses work usually our our full time. We work twelve hour shifts, so like for me, I work seven p.m. to seven a.m. and um, we only work three times a week, so thirty six hours is full time for us, and. Um, it's really interesting the reaction that I've gotten from people when I tell them that because they're like, oh, you you, you have all this time off. You're like, you know, you need to pick up overtime and um, and you just, you know, you don't you don't have a hard time at all. You only work three days a week. And for me in particular, because I'm a night nurse, a lot of us do uh, what we call stretches. So like for me, I work six nights and then I'm off for eight nights because we also have to work every other weekend. And so that way it lines up and your three nights of one week go into your three nights of the next week, but then you're off for eight days. And a lot of people are, you know, they'll say, Oh, well you have eight days off. That must just be easy breezy, you know, all this kind of stuff. But honestly, a lot of us have noticed that by the end of that sixth day, mentally, emotionally, physically, I mean, you are just, deadbeat like you are good for nothing (laughs) honestly you know I can come home and sleep the whole day and the whole night to flip my schedule um and it really does take the rest of that time to mentally get yourself ready to go back for another stretch and I was talking to you know my friend about that and she said you know I feel like I'm burnt out I don't feel like I know you know if I can handle, you know, all the stress of this job right now, like this has just been a really hard week on me. Um, but she said after her five days off or her, you know, whatever they, she does, cause she's a day nurse. Um, and she's actually in a different department than me. She said, I feel so much better. I feel like I've gotten a breath of fresh air and now I can go back to work. So, um, things like that, that they've put in place at you know, these things are research-based. We don't just have four days off a week for no reason, you know? 
So I think there are measures in place that kind of help us. Um, but like I said, everybody's got their thing for how they kind of grasp and handle situations. Like I said, for me, it's my faith. That's, that's how I stay grounded and positive and everything. But, um, yeah, having time off, making time for yourself, taking all your days off, <laughs> you know, that's kind of how we handle it. I think. I love the, um, the same kind of thing that you get that I get. It's like, Oh yeah, you don't really work that much. How's it so hard? I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I do two shows a month, but yeah, I know I, yeah. I get it, Yeah, but your job's also yeah. a lot harder than mine. So I, I understand that. Um, and like I, I do my job and I've like known people for a long time that do your job. Your job's a, a million times harder than mine. I get to go <laughs> and like, I get to go to sporting events and do a bunch of really cool things. And, like, yeah, it's work. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's a lot of pressure, uh, because if you don't perform, you know, you don't get paid, but in your mm-hmm. situation, if you don't perform, people don't, you know, get better or don't live in some cases. So <laughs> it's. It's got to be a lot of pressure for you. It's got to be a lot of pressure for 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 your peers. And um, I promise we're gonna get lighter here in a second. But you know, because <laughs> I I realized like we're 17 minutes in. It's a pretty dark start to this show. Um, but I mean, how do you, the pressure of it, right? Because you have to perform. Yeah. You have to be able to think through situations very fast. And and yeah, and especially in the ER, because those people. It's right. always it's always really funny. The ER, those people are having probably one of the worst nights of their life, and yep. um, they just c- knock on your door. It's like, hey, we need mm-hmm. some help um, to be able to handle and to like handle the pressure, especially you know having the situation you have with COVID, not having enough beds, mm-hmm. and turning the ER into a into a whole thing. Be able to to grasp that, understand that I need to be able to do this effectively without emotion and, and understanding that it needs to be done fast. How do mm-hmm. you do that? Have you gotten better at it? <laughs> there are situations where like that are in place for you to learn that. Like, how does that go? Because that's fascinating to me. Uh, because I have a very low stakes version of that in my job. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, it's one of those things I never, ever thought I would be working in the ER. I didn't. I, I thought there's no way I can handle it. And here I am. Um, but it is something that you kind of pick up. It, it's very strange to me to um, look at where I am now. I'm only eight months into it. I'll reach my eight month anniversary next week of starting work. Um but I think about my first day in the ER, and I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't do anything by myself. So I um, came home and talked to my family, and I, I remember telling them, I know I'm going to get through this. I know I'm going to learn. I know I'm going to be able to do this one of these days, but I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, but it did, you know, just like I said, it did. There's a lot of repetition that we see, you know, especially in the ER. You know, you have classifications of patients. You know, we kind of base them off of what's going on. So if you have heart issues, then we have a protocol we follow for that. If you come in with abdominal pain, there's a protocol we follow for that. And um, depending on how busy our day and night is, we usually think we usually see between 60 and 90 patients a day in the ER. Um, so when you're doing it that much and you're seeing it that much, you kind of just get used to it. But I will say it's very, 
It's very interesting, and I'll put a little plug in here for all my ER nurse friends. If you come to the ER, please be nice to your nurse, <laughs> you know? Um, I promise you it will make your stay better uh, because, you know, there have been situations, and Riley, I hate to stay dark on this, you know, we, no. we I promise we will get lighter. <laughs> here we go. Let's go. But, you know, um, there are situations, thankfully, you know, I haven't been in that many of them, but there have been situations where we're having to, you know, take care of a patient and do what we say, run a code to doing CPR and things like that on a patient and they don't make it. And, you know, I've had situations where I'll be in a room trying, you know, I'm doing chest compressions on someone and we have to call it and they're passed away and I leave the room and go into another patient's room and they're upset because I didn't their apple you know yeah and it's one of those things where you just have to understand that everybody that comes in is dealing with their own crisis and even though someone else's crisis may seem more extreme to me that does not mean that it's less extreme to that patient and when I got into nursing the reason I chose nursing was because I feel like there is something so beautiful about working with people when they're at their most vulnerable. Nobody just goes to the ER because that's what they feel like doing on a Friday night. You know, that's not really the activity of choice. Um, and so really having empathy, putting yourself in the patient's shoes and understanding, hey, they're dealing with a rough time. You know, they don't know what else is going on. Um, that's that's how I handle it. I picture everybody like they're my family. No matter what else is going on in that ER, I would want my family to be treated with respect. Um, and some nights it is harder than others to, uh, you know, keep your cool. But um, that's kind of how I deal with it. Yeah, there's there's two groups of people that I've seen. Everyone at their worst. It's nurses and the dollar store people closest to your house. So <laughs> salute to those people. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, that and, is so true. And those dollar store folks don't get eight nights in a row off. Uh, right. <laughs> maybe they should. Maybe they should. Um, yeah, no, I see the dollar store people every week when I go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, that's where I'm at in my life, that going to the dollar store is, um, is counts as grocery shopping because they have everything I need <laughs> as a 21-year-old single hey. male. That's relatable, you know. It's, it's, we're, we've all, we're all there. Who needs fruit? Right? Who, who needs it? Give me, give me a bottle of chocolate syrup, some coffee creamer, and cinnamon toast crunch, and that's good. That's that's. Well, I hope week. you're taking better care of yourself than that, because if not, I guess I will be seeing you soon. Yeah, I, can I make an appointment, or does it just show up? First come, first serve. Yeah, it seems to be truer than ever. Um. Can we can we go lighter, Bailey? Yeah, yeah, we can. All right. Um, Let's do it. I'm not gonna ask you for your best story. I'm gonna ask you for your funniest story because that's gotten me in trouble in the past. So, oh my gosh. on this on this particular show, um, your 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 funniest ER story. As much as you can divulge, I know where there's some privacy laws and everything, but like, what's kind of the the funniest thing that you you have experienced in your time in the ER? Because it's it it can be a, a wild place. Oh my goodness! There, are, I mean, there are times where me and you know we're just we're just rolling at the nurses' station, you know. Um, and nurses have kind of a twisted sense of humor. Any nurse will tell you that. So, but we did have, um, you know, we see 
and I don't want to at all make light of the um, substance abuse issues that we have because um, there are plenty and, and they do have quite a vast array of complications um, but they can make people do some funny things sometimes and I remember we had someone who thought there was some sort of like little creature or little like animal I can't I think they said it was maybe purple or something and they kept saying oh you know it's it's on my neck oh no no it's eating my thumb my thumb's gonna fall off and we're just sitting there we're trying to reorient this person going all right hun there you know there's nothing on you and they just I don't know it just gets me tickled because I I don't know. Maybe that's not the funniest story to anybody who's not a nurse, but it just, it gets you tickled when you're trying to grapple with something that's not there. It's like kind of dealing with a child who, who has an imaginary friend. Yeah. Um, maybe just not as, as sweet. I don't know that probably wasn't very funny. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm trying to say it, I'm like, wow, this is really not funny. Can we cut this out? I'll go with a different story. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey, no, that's the great thing about IAC is that it doesn't, it honestly doesn't really matter what you say. It's <laughs> people, people are here and they're here because they like the show and it's, it's fine. However, however, uh, that reminds me of a story, um, dealing with sports and, and medicine and, and substance abuse that hopefully is, is somewhat relatable to you and, and how you've had to deal with some of these folks. There was a player for the University of Mississippi who was going to be drafted into the NFL. And um, his draft stock went down. It plummeted after he jumped out of a three-story hotel window into a swimming pool. And then got up, stripped himself almost naked, ran to the police station right down the road, and claimed there was a dragon chasing him. (laughs) Um, He was then put in jail. (laughs) <laughs> which he which he was like he wanted because it protected him the dragon couldn't get through the door sure and they tested him yep synthetic marijuana yeah wasn't good yeah. that makes yeah. a lot of sense but it yeah. <laughs> it's stories like that it's like man you really want to laugh but you're not sure if you can because that person's dealing right. with a very serious thing but ah dragon coming to the police station ah that's yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think too that was my first night on night shift when that happened. So <laughs> I had had no I grew up very sheltered. I'd had no type of any sort of experience with that. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this person really thinks there's like a little <laughs> creature that's purple that's biting their thumb off. I don't even know how to handle this. <laughs> you know? Hey Bailey, welcome to nursing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh no that's that's good. Uh, I want to want to kind of center it back. I, I like to I like to kind of go in and ask people what the the central part of their job is and what what makes them good at. It. So Bailey, what what makes someone a good nurse? Wow, wow. All right, the hot start to the answer. <laughs> you huh? throw a hot start to the answer. You go throw a couple of wows out there. We're in for a good one. <laughs> that's how I'm buying myself time while I think. While hey, myself. that's called a filibuster in podcasts. You're already a natural. Well, look at that, right? <laughs> yeah, my job's not hard at all. I just I work I work two times a month. 
Yeah, uh, no, I think, honestly, I think it's compassion. I really do, because you can have all the knowledge and all the smarts, which I definitely say that comes second, um, because you have to. But if you don't have compassion, I've seen so many patients just completely turned off to helping their nurse, um, whether it's with assessments or finding out a history. And you you need to know what that patient has to say. Um, and if you are not willing to really empathize, really put yourself in their shoes um, and let them feel comfortable and, you know, confident talking to you, um, you're not going to get the answers that you need to continue finding out what's going on. I mean, we, we, all the patients have their own answers with them in a way. Um, and you need that information. Plus, you know, my, um, it was actually my dad once told me right when I started nursing, he said, you, you chose a profession where you don't really get to just go to work and have an okay day and go home. He said, when you go to work, your patients are either going to have a better life or a worse life because of you. Because I think we can all relate back. We've all gone to a hospital. We've all gone to a doctor's appointment and said, wow, that nurse was horrible. And I don't even want to go back. And I don't want to talk to them anymore and those types of things. And that puts such a, a big barrier between people and their health. You know, and so I really took that to heart and I make it my mission to be compassionate and to make my patients feel like they are number one priority, um, that they're seen, that they're heard so that they can make their health a bigger priority in their life. Um, so I would definitely say compassion for sure. That is quite the answer. And I, I'm sitting here thinking and, you know, I'm one, I'm incredibly thankful you made time for the show. Mm-hmm. And then I'm incredibly thankful that you switched times for the show <laughs> because I got a text message about 30 minutes after I texted you. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Uh, let right. me <laughs> just made an appointment. Now I, I got to figure out how to run from one side of the city to the next. Um, I, I thought of a couple ways that the show can go. And in my prep and in my planning, uh, which is very little – there was uh, a thought of a question that I wanted to start the show off with, but I didn't want to set it off in that tone. But now we're 30 minutes in. I've gotten a lot of great information out of you about nursing and about you know handling a pandemic. And then sure. you know, I got a funny story. Uh, I wanted to start this off, and I wanted to ask this for, for both sides of the, of the disagreement. Um, I, I can ask you. You're in the medical field. You understand. You, went to, you didn't go to school for this, but you understand kind of how it works. Is COVID-19 real? Is it real? Absolutely. Yeah. Is Okay. Okay. I know, Absolutely. I, I feel stupid for asking, but there are people out there, there that people, don't yes. think it is. And yes. that is a wild concept to me. Yeah, it is. It's okay. Real. Thank you. That, I just wanted to know. Bailey Ball setting the record straight <laughs> on if, any, if anyone cares today with Riley James. Episode 70. Yeah, we're already at 70. That's that's a lot. Um, that's awesome. You're, Congratulations. Thank you. I think you're our first uh I've had I've had doctors on before, but they're, you know, she's an orthodontist. Yeah. 
So uh, it's, do you look down on orthodontists? Absolutely not. Okay, good. Because I would have a whole nother show with her and it would be a beef and it'd be a nightmare. Actually, Absolutely it'd, be, not. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be great for content. Um, but <laughs> just let me know. We can, we can script something out. Don't worry. <laughs> do a wrestling promo by I mean, you hate dentists yep, and orthodontists. Yep. That'd be great. Um, no, but like she, uh, she came on and talked about it before, but like, I've never had a, like a, a, a practicing kind of like in the trenches person mm-hmm. dealing with the pandemic. I've had, I've had a lot of people talk about the pandemic. I've had a guy sure. that was trapped in Spain during the pandemic who couldn't, you know, had a hard time getting back to the U S but like, wow. Having you on the show to talk about, it, I'm incredibly thankful. So can you, um, can you kind of run me through? the next couple steps of how this is going to go. What are, what are the plans in place? What are the procedures that people could be doing to make sure this doesn't extend into another year of 2023 or another summer of 2022? Hmm. Well, um, and for legal reasons, Bailey ball is not the CDC. I am not the CDC. Yeah. That's, am, that's the cover me legally. I can't tell you that this is what the, yeah, just, Yeah. She's not the CDC. However, you are a trained professional in this. So, sure. Well, um, I can say it's actually really interesting to me um, because the virus itself is the SARS CoV. The SARS CoV, I'm sure everybody has pretty much seen that. We have so many different phrases for it. So, that's the virus that causes. The COVID-19. Um, the COVID-19 is this particular type of the SARS-COVID um, virus, just like the Delta was a particular type. So COVID-19 is not the same as Delta. Um, and Delta is not the same as the Omicron, um, to my understanding. I was reading some on some different uh, medical websites this morning. Nurses are nothing if not prepared. Um, so I was looking at the CDC this morning and things like WebMD, all those types of things. But um, so as far as like COVID-19, um, the best thing I can think of to relate this to is like when the Spanish flu came, the last major epidemic that we saw all those years ago, you know, every flu that we get. So like when you go get your flu shot or if you don't get your flu shot or if you get the flu, those are all what we even now call variants of that original Spanish influenza. But you wouldn't say like Riley, if you went and tested positive for the flu tomorrow, you wouldn't say, Oh, I have Spanish influenza. Right. Um, uh, so I mean, I might, kind of, I might, and you can't tell people otherwise because of HIPAA. True, true. If you do, <laughs> I'll be like, well, I mean, if that's what Riley said, you know, his, you know, yeah. Full circle callback <laughs> moment of the show. Love that. All right, continue. Yeah. yeah, no, I can't, I can't tell people I have in, uh, Spanish influenza. Right. So, I mean, I think that's kind of where we're going with this. Um, we have also noticed that as the variants come, they're kind of trending down in severity. Um, I won't sit here and say that people don't get hospitalized for, you know, the COVID that we're seeing right now. 
Um, we do have some people. We had gotten down to only one patient in our COVID unit. And we were so happy. And we were like, just send them home. Like, let's get them better and send them home so we can have no people in our COVID unit. But then this uh, new wave did pick up. So we do have some people on our COVID unit. Um, I do believe we have some COVID people in our ICU. Um, But I will say there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that is what we call treat and street where they come in, they get seen and we're able to say, okay, you know, you're, you're all right. We test, you know, this is what you have. Um, and you don't have to go to the hospital. You know, you don't have to stay here in the hospital. You can go home, um, which is the ultimate goal of an ER. Um, and that's kind of, I think what everybody hopes for when they come to the ER, get that green light to go back home. Um, and just know what they have. And so we have seen a lot of that with this new wave of COVID. A lot of people come in, say they're feeling bad, you know, have a headache or I have headaches are very common, muscle aches, um, sore throat. Um, and we say, okay, you know, your body's doing what it's supposed to. You got good oxygen levels. We do some patient teaching um, on how to handle it. And we say, you know, you do have COVID, but you are able to go home and kind of write this out at home. If you feel worse, you know, please come back. But as of right now, you're okay to go home. We see a lot of that right now. So that's really been um, a positive note that we've seen lately. And I think that that is kind of how it will continue to trend. Um, if you do test positive, you know, stay stay home for your little quarantine um, I know a lot of people are struggling with that right now because, you know, with this new wave, you're not necessarily feeling as bad as you did the first time. So it's not like you physically can't go out, you know, before it was like, oh, I just feel terrible. I can't even go anywhere. Now people are more like, oh, I just have the sniffles. So, you know, I'm gonna keep living, living my best life, you know? Um, so you don't feel as bad. So you don't necessarily quarantine and um also with all the lockdowns we've experienced people have a hard time with missing work and everything and all that's understandable um so really just trying to minimize your exposure to other people as much as possible um if you do test positive um those types of things to minimize that spread but we are very um it is kind of reassuring when you know i started eight months ago when we were having people on breathing machines and now we're able to send a lot of people home that's really encouraging for us to see yeah and we've seen this development and how people have handled it and how people have dealt with it and that's redundant that's the same thing but yeah how people have (laughs) kind of um adjusted the way they the protocols and 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 the way that they deal with their companies and 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 so much and so forth Mm -hmm. Uh, in sports, we've seen it where, you know, the quarantine amount of time you have to sit in quarantine has gone down. And mm-hmm. if you're asymptomatic, uh, it's like two or three days. If you're, if you have symptoms, yeah. it's like five to seven days. It's, it's, yeah. it's progressively getting better. And it seems like, uh, people are making the adjustment to the new life that we have to live. Mm-hmm. And, um, and hopefully it can go back to some remnants of, of what it was in 2019 and, and early on in 2020. So, 
um, I'm happy that you are a part of that. I'm thankful that you are a part of that. And, um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think you guys ever get told how, how <laughs> thankful we are that you guys are on the front lines of this and, and handle it. Cause I, I couldn't, I host a podcast. I have no other set of skills <laughs> to be able to handle uh, anything like this. So I'm thankful for, for people like you and, and specifically you and, and our friendship. And I'm thankful you made time for the show. This is awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me again. This is great. This is awesome. Yeah. You were, uh, you weren't nervous coming into this, which is a little bit surprising. Or at least you, you, you might've lied to me and said you weren't nervous, but you, you were, you're definitely kind of, uh, I think you were you didn't really really know what to expect. Yeah, I didn't. I just kind of jumped <laughs> in with both feet. I was like, "Sure, let's do it." <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy you're able to uh, to get settled in. Um, last but not least, uh, and then we'll jump into the lightning round here, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure you've, you're well aware of that after listening to a couple shows. Um, I there was a conversation that we had on my other podcast that is now canceled R and R about health and health being relative. Health being relative to the person that the health is pertaining to, and I want to know because you you deal with health, like you care if people are healthy or not, kind mm-hmm. of for money sometimes, and uh, like, would you say that that sentiment is true that health is relative dealing with you know per person, you know one person's health might be different than another person's healthy. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I just can't wait to clip this and send it to him. <laughs> well, I think um, I think that's true. Um, every person is built so differently. Everybody's made so differently. Um, there is, and, and I, there is not a one size fits all solution to things. You know, um, it'd be so easy if there was, though. It'd be so easy. It would be. Let me tell you, it'd be wonderful. You guys ever like sit down and fantasize about that? It's like what if oh, we could just have yeah. one cure-all I'm thing. Like, man, if I could just tell people to do this, and then they would be healthy and not come see me, that'd be great. You could just sit there at the station playing cards. You know, that's a reference for all my nursing friends that are listening. But that's definitely not what happens. Um, but um, I think you have to really look at what you've been dealt as far as body type, not only in size and stature and things like that, but you also need to look at, you know, some people are, you know, they develop things like type one diabetes. I have a brother who has type one diabetes. Um, and that's something that we don't have a cure for, you know, um, things like that. You have to understand that certain remedies are not going to work for you. Like they are for other people, certain, diets, certain, um, exercise regimens, they're not going to work for you like they are for other people. Then you have other instances where I have family members that have type two diabetes and that is brought on by a myriad of things, but including different life choices like diet, exercise level. So you need to look at what's appropriate for, um, you with that issue. And then you have things like COVID-19 that come in And they say, well, if you have, you know, diabetes or if you have hypertension or, you know, heart issues or asthma, you know, those things are going to be more extreme for you. Um, COVID-19 symptoms will probably be more extreme for you, not necessarily, um, but probably be more extreme for you than they would someone who doesn't have 
those conditions. And so you really, this is where having a, if I can just put a plug in for, for everybody listening, if you do not have a primary doctor and I understand it, insurance and those types of things, please connect with, you know, advocates or resources available to you in your community. Um, or if you do have the insurance and you can go get with a primary doctor, it is so important to have someone who is trained in the body, who knows your particular situation, your makeup, what's going on with your body, how your body will react to things that can follow you along during different issues. I mean, there are so many health things and complications that I see that if you had a consistent primary health care provider, like a doctor or a nurse practitioner following what was going on with you and, you know, you were able to take advice from them and implement that in your life, so many things could be avoided. Um, and so I think that is really something that I would say with the whole, you know, um, health care isn't one size fits all, but your doctor can be um, fitted to you and your needs for sure. All right. Well, that felt like a personal shot because I don't have a primary health doctor. Riley? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it off the air. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> you can make recommendations that I'm not sure if I have insurance or not because I I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. Remember that coffee we were talking about earlier? You meet. We're all gonna get together. And we're gonna have coffee. Now. Oh gosh. Ah, oh, can't can't wait. All right. <laughs> okay. That's really funny. That's great. <laughs> I'm sick. Disclaimer, that... I did not know that whenever <laughs> I made that statement to all the listeners. That was not a personal shot at Riley James. <laughs> uh, I'm sick that day. We have to go to coffee. Probably because I don't have a primary doctor. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, lightning round thing that I do. Five to seven random questions. Answer in 10 seconds or less. I'm going to start off with a little bit different one. Um. Man, ten With, seconds or less. That's that's so quick. Okay. Yeah, I, the last show that we did, she took about forty-five minutes for seven questions. So don't feel a lot of pressure. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, Avery. Um, so. <laughs> I'm going to start off with, with this one, uh, with all the, obviously the, the knowledge we've gained in the last hundred and so years of, of medicine and health and everything. If I was to go back to 1481, do you think I could be a doctor? Oh, probably sadly. Cause any, yeah, anyone could be a doctor. Cause here's cocaine yeah. and that's, that's going to fix yeah. it. Yeah. Cocaine yeah. and meth and heroin. Yeah. Go. Oh, this is the hot mess express right there. All right, yeah. awesome. That's that's what I wanted to. All right, cool. Because that's another argument I had is I can go back to 1481 and I could be a doctor because they didn't know anything. Look, if you're smart enough to build a time machine, you're probably smart enough to be a doctor back yeah. then. Yeah, oh, so. I, I could make so many shillings. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Anyways, I have actual questions that that pertain to you and not me because that's okay. that's how journalism works. I'm not supposed to be a part of it at all. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what what is journalism? What what is journalism? You know, uh, yeah, it's it's not much anymore. Not much anymore. Yeah, it's mostly just another show, another another topic. Yeah, just entertainment. Yeah, we don't have to get into it. Yeah. I yep. can go. I can go on your podcast and talk about it. Hey, yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Um, 
All right, we'll start. We'll start here. Bailey, do you have do you have a pet? Do I have a pet? Yes. Uh, no, but I have lots of family members that have a pet. Okay. Close to me. If you could ask one of those pets a question, which one would it be, and what question would you ask? Oh my gosh, I would ask. I think I would ask my sister's lizard. She has a crested gecko. Okay, that's that's unique. Yeah. Can't wait yeah, for this. His name is Buddy. Okay. Man, I think I would ask him if he actually likes us. You know? Yeah. Like, does he like being held? You know? We think he does. But is, does he just want to sit in his little his little area and just chill all day? Like Does he yeah. does he like captivity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little that was a little dark, Riley. We're going lighter, remember? Yeah, well yeah, I guess. Uh <laughs> All right. Great start to the lighting round. I could be a doctor and lizards hate captivity. Um, <laughs> if you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you be? Oh, man. A cartoon character? Yep. What cartoons do I like? Um, man, I'm trying to think. I love, when, would... I love when one of my questions makes someone ask themselves a question. Yeah. <laughs> man, that one really threw me off. Okay. Um, I know I'm going to like end up texting you in like a week being like, no, I changed my answer. I changed my answer. But all I can think about right now is fairy odd parents. Yeah. Like that's all I can think about. And so maybe like Wanda, that'd be cute. I think that could be fun. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. You could grant wishes and stuff. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, would you rather live a week in the future or a week in the past? Mm. Uh, maybe a week in the past. What year? Or or era or decade? Let's not uh, kind of let's not handicap you to a year. Yeah, that was so specific. Yeah, I'm just, um, yeah. What day? <laughs> what <exactly>. time? <laughs> um. say maybe i don't know let's go back to like victorian era let's just go there jeez you know? that's so far <laughs> all know, right because it's just i would i have so many questions about the culture there i would just love to just ask everybody everything if i'm only going to be there for a week i could like make a real mess and just ask all the controversial questions and just change the timeline just change the timeline <laughs> completely um What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Okay, I don't like ice cream. Okay, well, what do you like, Bailey? Because it really throws <laughs> off my line of question. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like ice cream. I know that's really strange, um, but I do. Um, I like I like baklava. That's sweet. I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is? It's baklava. Like little baklava. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. It's mainly it's mainly sold around Christmas time. Okay. But they do sell it year round. But it's like this layered pastry. It's phyllo dough and it has like this sweet um sugar sauce and you put like layers of different nuts. So whether you have like walnut or pistachio baklava and it's just little layers and they have like chocolate drizzle and stuff. Oh, it's so good. Okay, well we're gonna ignore that and <laughs> and move on. Yes, baklava. I'll have to. Baklava. God, we gotta go for coffee and baklava now. 
I will say though, I appreciate you not making a big deal out of the fact that I don't like ice cream. Yeah, I mean it's weird. It's I can't do it on the air because I can't publicly berate someone on a microphone. I gotcha. Yeah, so we'll. You're gonna yell at me for my primary doctor situation. I'm gonna yell at you for not enjoying (laughs) ice cream like a person. Um, (laughs) gosh, what's your favorite kind of sandwich, Bailey? Favorite kind of sandwich. Um, Do you eat bread? Do you eat, do you eat bread? I do. Okay. I, cool. do, I do eat bread. I do. Well, I probably should eat less bread. I eat so much bread. Um, <laughs> Stupid Texas yeah. Roadhouse. I know. Uh, a muffalata. A muffalata? Yeah. What is a muffalata? Golly, oh, Bailey, you and I live very different lives. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's like they sell them in New Orleans a lot, but they have one here proteus you gotta go and get a muffalata i'll try a muffalata they have a lot of like italian meats there's like an olive mixture that they put on there and it's on this big like sesame seed crusted bun they're huge like bigger than your head usually i got a pretty big head bailey my bigger than your head riley (laughs) yeah a lot of room for a brain in there um it's yeah a lot of room for one fun fact from your friendly neighborhood nurse it's not the size of your brain that dictates how smart you are. It's how many wrinkles are on your brain. Yeah, but if you have a bigger brain, you want more wrinkles. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically, yeah. Yeah, so I could be a nurse. You could be a nurse, <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Bring in the NCLEX, where's joint commission? Let's hey, we work, the same, we work the same schedule. You have eight days off in a row. You're in there at work playing cards. I could do your job. <laughs> That is not true. Bailey is not the CDC, and I cannot be a nurse. All right. (laughs) That's one final thing. We'll get you out of here on this. Can't thank you enough for the time. Dinner party. Three famous people, living or dead. Go. Who would you invite? Oh, my goodness. I would invite, let's see. Um, Let's do a political person. Let's say Abraham Lincoln. Throw them in there. Oh, I thought we were. I was very worried we were going to go modern political person. I'm like, okay, no, that's no, going to no, turn no. off half the people. Nope, I got you. I got you, Riley. <laughs> no worries. Um, <laughs> this show is not endorsed by the Republican or Democratic National Convention. Like, I know we have a blue background, but that doesn't mean anything. Blue's just a color. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so let's say that. Let's say we'll go religious. We'll say the Apostle Paul. Okay. Um,. Pop culture. Um, then you know what? We'll do living. I'm going to say Ryan Reynolds because he's a funny dude. Ryan Reynolds is the one, the most attractive person on the planet. <laughs> and two, one of the funniest guys on the planet. So I would love to see how Ryan Reynolds would react with not only Abraham Lincoln, but Paul. But the Apostle Paul. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite the dinner. What are you making for that dinner? Baklava with a side of Baklava. muffin thing. Muffalata, for yeah. sure. All sure. right. I'm, I won't be coming to that dinner. However. <laughs> It'd be a great podcast. What are you talking about? It'd be a great podcast. We got to have, have a um, a translator for, for Paul because he probably does not yeah. speak English. He probably speaks Hebrew. So yeah. get, we'll, we'll, add a, we'll add a chair. Have him. Be a big round table. Yeah, or he might speak English. Who's to say? Who knows? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus was English. white and spoke English. That's all. That's all I ever know. Here's here's the controversy, <laughs> and that's our here show. 
<laughs> uh, Bailey, thank you so much for, for making time. Do you have anything you, you can promote or, or social media? Like where, where can people ask you questions about, you know, their bodies? Yeah. Please well, don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. Please go to your primary care doctor. What if I, what if you don't have one? What if you don't have one? Um, get one. Okay. Yeah. Get okay. One. Awesome. <laughs> go, go find your, your, uh, resources in your area. We do have, uh, lots of, there are lots of resources out there for people who, um, are down on with insurance and have issues with that type of stuff. There are resources available. So just do some research on that for sure. Um, I will say that there is something really cool going on right now. Um, there is a, the, how I got, you know, uh, became aware of this was there is an Instagram page. It's called nurse Blake. Um, he is so funny. He is an RN as well, but he is a comedian, uh, and an influencer and he just, he gets me so tickled. He's very relatable. Um, but he has teamed up with impact in healthcare, um, which stands for interdisciplinary medical and patient Alliance for care transformation which is a big, long mouthful, so we'll just say impact in healthcare. Um, but right now, they have put together a petition, um, and it's got close to 500,000 signatures um, that implores the Joint Commission, which is one of the regulating bodies of um, nursing. And they have different... Um, patient safety goals that they come out with every however many years... They have targeted solution strategies for things we see in the medical field, um, like things like performing hand hygiene often and handoff communication to lower incidences of communication errors in the healthcare field. Um, but they also have accreditation values that um, hospitals have to meet in order to be accredited hospitals. And right now, this petition is imploring the Joint Commission to add um, proper staffing for nurses um, to ensure that safe nurse-to-patient ratios are in place and to add that to the accreditation list because that's not currently in place. And that's something that we have really seen throughout the COVID spikes is um, unsafe nurse-to-patient ratios. All right. So um, one more time where people can find that. You can go to uh, Instagram and find uh, Nurse Blake, or you can Google Impact in Healthcare, and they'll have a place for you to sign the petition. If you don't have to be a nurse, if you are a nurse and you have experienced that, feel free to sign that petition. Or if you have a family member or a friend that's a nurse um, and you want to make a difference for them, that's a great way to do that as well. Well, that's a fantastic initiative. Please, please do that. We'll put the the link in the show description. Just scroll down and, and tap it, and we'll get you everything you need to know for that. And for Bailey Ball, I appreciate you making so much time for the show. Uh, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares.